Hi, friend. It's Brittany Moses and Ranella Kaligithi. And you're listening to Speaking Our Minds, the podcast that brings you honest and nuanced conversations around mental health, holistic wellness, and the real complexities of what it means to be human in the challenges of today's world, where we have fun, fascinating, and meaningful discussions around how to live a more insightful, connected, and whole life from the inside out. Joined by guest professionals, thought leaders, and some of my friends and those with lived experience. As always, we ask that you keep in mind that the views and opinions shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from your clinician or provider and is ours to discern. We're so glad you're here. Follow the conversation on Instagram at Speaking Our Minds Pod and sit with us because we're diving in. This podcast episode is brought to you by WeShare by UHSM, a unique healthcare membership on a mission to create holistic wellness for the mind, body, and spirit. I'm honored to partner with UHSM and its community of faithful members. Together, we plan to create more awareness and programs around mental health and the role it plays in our overall balanced health. If you or someone you know is frustrated with their current health care, I encourage you to inquire about membership options at www.weshare.org or call 1-800-900-8476. Cute. All right, let's actually start the show. Let's get this show on. We're all taking photos of you. All right. Well, welcome back to the Speaking Our Minds podcast. I'm Brittany. And I'm Ranella. And we are here with our wonderful friend, Brianna. Yay. (laughs) Good job. We didn't cue you on that one. So like, yeah. We were waiting. That was test number one. Did I pass? Yes. Flying colors. Good, good, good. Thank you so much for spending your time here with us today. We This is our first time having three people all in the studio at once. And the vibes are immaculate. Yeah, they are. Brianna brings so much light and joy oh, and yes. beauty to everyone she comes in contact with. So you guys. We're so <laughs> happy to have you here. Yeah, Brianna's amazing. Very good friend of mine. And she's been doing amazing work. You know, we're entering into the holiday season and we've talked about going through seasons of transition and unexpected change. And one of the things that we really wanted to highlight this season is grief and loss. One of those things that can become really pronounced, um, obviously all all throughout life, but especially during the holiday season. Mm. And this is an area that Brianna has not only experienced and walked through very closely and personally, but it's also her area of um, training and expertise. And she's just a wonderful human being. Mm. So we're so grateful to be diving into this with her today. But Brianna, for those who don't know you, could you tell us just a little bit about yourself and what led you into the work that you're doing today? Yes. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, And yeah, I am um, one of four children. Mm. And I grew up with three brothers, always rough housing, um, lots of fun, but they're my best friends. (laughs) Yes. 
So um, in 2019, actually, the youngest of the bunch, my youngest brother, Bailey, died by suicide in September of 2019. Mm. And so as it would with anyone losing someone you love, Mm. it will rock your world and turn everything upside down, which is exactly what it did for myself. Um, Especially in that, you know, this these emotions that he was feeling weren't new. This was Mm. something that we had dealt with before. He had attempted at his life before. Mm. He was living with depression and anxiety. So we were familiar with the weight Mm. of um, his, uh, the weight of his emotions and walking with him through the season. However, you still never expect that it will happen. And um, sure enough, it did. And so that was, it completely turned my life upside down. Uh, And I just knew um, as someone who grew up with a broken home, who faced abandonment and trauma after trauma, I knew I could deal with things pretty well. And Mm. I've made a decent life for myself Mm. um, on the other side of a lot of difficult situations, but this was something that I could not handle on my own. So I um, reached out for help from a trusted mentor of mine and pastor, and and he directed me to this grief recovery specialist and counselor. So I started seeing her. Mm. And what I loved about the program that was different from therapy was that it was actually an action-based program. And we read through a book and there were homework assignments, which I appreciated because it took away from the... I just have to go and sit on a couch and talk with someone. The fear of exposure in doing that. Um, And also, I loved it because through action, I have always found healing. One of the things that Mm. I resonated with growing up was movement and sports. Mm. So when things were hard at home, I would go to practice and forget it all. Mm. And so this in my adult life was another way that action was really helpful towards healing. And so... um, I walked through this program and I'll never forget walking out of her office that first day. Um, I had, I, in my head, I was there to work on the grief of losing my brother. Mm. And I walked out of her office realizing I had an entire mountain of grief from wow. my life that I had not dealt with. Mm. Um, and so I, I completely walked through the program and it inspired me to, not only did I learn so much, but it inspired me to help educate others on this Truly, it's, it's a pandemic of its own mm. where no one yeah. understands all of the battles that you're fighting on a daily basis on behalf of yourself for all of the experiences that you've previously gone through. And so I really wanted to help educate people on the battle that they're fighting without realizing it right. and offer them tools, emotional mm. tools and ways that they can help themselves in their day-to-day lives and moving forward towards whatever it is that they want to do. Wow. Yeah. And so you got certified? Yes. So I, it took me a little bit because I was nervous too, but um, three years after losing him and actually a year ago, this time exactly, mm. I went through a certification program. So I am now a grief, an advanced grief recovery specialist. And um, I started my business and working with people one-on-one and walking them through the same exact program that I did. Um mm 
And then I was pregnant. And now I have a little one. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I put it on pause for a little while. Um, but of I'm course. super excited to be back and working with individuals. And um, the second half of that is is more early prevention work. But yes, I did become certified yes. to now well, work with people. And you've been so public about your journey of grief. Mm. And you, yes. you even had some TikToks go viral. Quite because <laughs> so many people resonated with just even the rawness. <laughs> Yeah. of you sharing your experience and me just knowing you as a friend and you being like, I know how proactive you are as a person to take things and turn them around and try to use that wisdom to help others. So that's such a beautiful thing. And yeah, Thank I can you. see a lot of people resonating with your work. So it's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, there's just so much that you shared that, you know, and this is actually my first time, you know, sitting down with you and, and hearing your story. And I... um I just love that in the span of a few minutes in the nutshell that you've shared about your story, there's there's that grief and then there's also the joy of having your little girl and, you know, being able to help other people, but also having gone through your own experiences. And I just think that life is so full of mm-hmm. these ups and downs, mm-hmm. but going through something like losing someone that is so close to you, your own brother you know, um, there are different levels, I feel like, of grief, depending on your closeness to those who you've lost. But what was it like for yourself? Because you went through the process um, before you got certified, you had to move through your own process of grief. And, you know, just for anyone that's listening right now that is really going through an acute process of, of loss, what was that experience like just getting from day to day? Yeah, it's brutal. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. But something that you touched on that I always like to share is that, especially in dealing with loss, and Mm -hmm. there are, just as you said, many um, different levels of grief. There are significant grievances such as loss of a loved one or a divorce. Um, And then there are like a level two grievance, which Mm. could be moving across the country, a loss of identity, a career change, right? So all of these other changes in life can can bring on grief as well. Um, And in in dealing with that, it's definitely heavy. However, one of the underlying things that I love to share with individuals is that Grief is an array of emotions. Mm. It's not just sadness. Mm -hmm. And I think we often see it as the hard part and the difficult piece of of life to walk through. However, um, what I love to share with people is that your grief is going to be hard, but it doesn't have to be painful forever. Mm. When you lose someone you love, yes, you're always going to miss them. Mm. You're always going to be sad. You're always going to want them around, but it doesn't have to be painful and Mm. feel like there is a knife in your stomach Mm. or your heart. Uh, That is how I felt immediately after I lost my brother and working through understanding what grief is, how it affects us mentally, emotionally, physically in our life, and uh, working through gaining emotional tools and taking actions to recover that emotion and that communication Mm -hmm. um, 
in that, it allowed me to alleviate myself of the daily burden of pain. Yeah. So I still harbor sadness. You know, I still want my brother here. I want to joke with him. I want to give him a hug, tell yeah. him I love him. But it doesn't, I don't feel the sting in my heart as much. And that's yeah. what I would really want to share with someone mm. who is in that season of acute grief or and who just experienced the loss. I mean, I was just texted yesterday about a friend of a friend who also lost a brother to suicide. Mm. And, Mm. you know, just asking, can I share your information? Absolutely. But also, you know, the biggest thing is to just be there with them in empathy, not sympathy, Mm. um, because that pain is so real and so raw. But in your being with them and and holding space with them, you Mm -hmm. can share, um, you know, just a hope and a peace that they don't even know or understand that they need. Mm -hmm. And it's that it won't be painful forever. Mm. Yeah, that gives so much hope because when you kind of like, and we were saying about our episode on seasons of change, like when you're in the middle of it, it feels so strong. It feels so all encompassing that it feels like you are going to feel that way forever. And that is going to be your life forever. And it feels very hopeless. Um, I think for maybe those who are listening, just to bring some like uh, t- kind of like signs, what what would you say are some common signs of grief or like, or even of unresolved grief? Yes. So how does that typically kind of look or show up for people? Yeah. So I would say unresolved grief will look like disassociation, Mm. avoidance. Mm. Um, It can look like just constantly distracting yourself to not deal with your emotions. I always say there is fight, flight, but there's also um, fawn. Yeah, Yeah. the fawn response. Yes, the fawn response in um, just people pleasing Mm -hmm. because of, uh, you know, an inept fear in you. Um, And that fear can be just facing yourself and dealing with yourself and something that you need to process through because of an unresolved grievance. So disassociation, avoidance, um, it can also be a depression. You you feel like you'll never, your Mm -hmm. life will never be the same because you are no longer in this relationship that you just held on to for nine years. Mm. Um, You are now facing a loss of identity on top of the loss of the relationship, on top of the loss of the life that you had, on top Mm. of the loss Mm -hmm. of the hopes, dreams, and expectations that you had for your future together. That's a lot of loss. So much. Yeah, that's a lot of loss compounded. And so it can put you into a depressive season. Mm. Um, It can be isolation. People locking themselves away. I always joked that I was a closet crier. Mm. Um, There were times that I would literally face something or get a text and run to my closet and cry really quick just so my husband wouldn't see me and then come out in the living room and, you know, watch TV like everything was okay. Um, And that is isolation, right? That is hiding away. Uh, It can be also um, just a lack of energy or motivation. Right especially for someone who had previously shared like a habit of working out and now they no longer want to work out Mm. or they were always a social butterfly and now they don't really want to be around people. So obviously you can grow into a different personality and and get different hobbies, but um, just in recognizing maybe something that this friend is going through Mm -hmm. that can... um, you know, that change or that lack of wanting to do something can also be a sign of unresolved grief or, or you know, truthfully unresolved grief and just someone carrying 
a lot of weight on mm. their shoulders that that needs and can be released. Um, so I would say that those are definitely some of the signs feeling stuck. Super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like how you're sharing um, really a broad range because, and really normalizing this experience because um, I think when we hear the word grief, mm-hmm. we tend, or loss, you know, we do tend to think of um, losing a loved one or we, um, you know, tend to think of sometimes like some of these major losses. But um, one of the uh, things that I've learned in my life that has weirdly brought me comfort is uh, this motto that I have, which is like, life is a series of many and major grieving processes. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what it is. Like every day we're grieving something, even if it's small, mm-hmm. you know, or we're grieving something that's like big or or medium. And you kind of touched on that, like different levels of grief. Um, but I think we we look at the different changes like we were talking about in the last episode or just different things that we go through in life and we expect ourselves to deal with life just you know like why am I not dealing very well like why am I isolating like why am I like this oh I've changed why and we don't give a thought to the fact that we've been going through changes that like there are layers to a breakup that are so profound and, and layers to a loss of a loved one, layers to a loss of a job and all of those things. And so anyway, it's just, I love that you bring that out because, um, because I think we're really hard on ourselves Yeah. because we don't realize like how major a lot of these, how much it actually really affects us. Yeah. I always share with people, you know, um, like I said, we think grief is the loss of a loved one and that it's singularly just a deep sadness, a Mm -hmm. a mourning, if Mm -hmm. you will. And it's not. Grief is a loss or a change of any sort. And truthfully, it is, I look at it as a sense of it's everything that you wanted to communicate, but you have yet to. Mm. So for me, um, and, and a good a, a good way to paint this picture is that I am one of four. So I do have two other brothers that lost the same exact brother mm-hmm. to the same exact type of loss, suicide, right? Yet none of us know how the other feels. Mm-hmm. Not a single one of us. Because we all had different different relationships with with that brother. Mm -hmm. So we all lost that relationship. Different memories. We all lost different memories. We all lost different um, hopes, dreams, and Mm -hmm. expectations of our relationship with him. You know, Mm -hmm. I had a hope of him being the uncle to my children, who might, you know, my now daughter, he would be so wonderful. However, I don't know that my older brother wants kids. So I don't know if that is a hope or Mm -hmm. an expectation that he had and that has now lost. So we all experience it such a different way that no one knows how you feel when you know, even going through that same type of loss. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's no sense of normalcy in how to deal with it because it's going to be different for every person. But also in that, because grief is a loss or a change in your life, the only constant in life is change. So we are facing grief all the time. Just as you said, where life is a culmination of all of these different grievances. Yes, 
It mm. is. But I also don't want you to think there's a dark cloud yes. over all of us yeah, and that, right. oh my gosh, I'm grieving every single day and I have mm. all of this unresolved grief. No, mm-hmm. like grief can be a beautiful thing because when you have the awareness of what it is, it can truly open you up to not only experiencing the present moment better, but also understanding people to a different level, understanding yes. yourself to mm-hmm. a different level. Um so I don't know if that answered yeah, the question, yeah. but <laughs> and I and I and I love that you're talking about like these two sides of grief, right? There's the grief of the present, which is losing the person and feeling that void. Cause that's yeah. what you you feel this very real void in your life of them not them going from a real physical human being in your life to really a an like a, a to like a memory. Yeah. To, they go from something that's something that's so material to something now immaterial, mm-hmm. like in your mind. And that's like, and that's real. But then there's also the loss of the future. Yeah. There's the loss of the life that you guys thought you would have with them, or maybe the future that you would have with them and the ways in which you thought they'd be involved in your life. And sometimes that I know for me, like when really great things happen in life, grief comes up. Because you think, oh, I really wish I could have shared this with this person or I wanted this person to be able to see this happen in my life or like whatever it was, Yeah, you know? Um, So I think that's really interesting too, just recognizing that there are two parts of loss. You're grieving the present, but then you're also grieving the future. And that sometimes those things can be highlighted during very meaningful and... um, even just highlight moments in your life. Yeah. And it's just, as you said, you know, something happens and you want to share it with that person. Yes. It's that communication. Exactly. It is that un, it's, it's that communication that you're unable to now deliver because of that person's no longer in your life or, or you're just no longer in that season. Mm -hmm. Um, so I always share that, that, um, truly recognizing in your grief is, is, recognizing your grief, but moving through it as being able to deliver those communications that were undelivered. Yeah. In certain ways of coping. And mm-hmm. and so for I just want to throw this out for you guys. Like, do you believe that we just don't talk about, like just specifically talking about death, right? Like that our culture just doesn't really face death well in terms of Correct. like dealing with death or just really having conversations mm-hmm. about the reality of death. Mm-hmm. and like how to grieve, right? Like, yeah, you know, and, and even like coming from a faith background, like people kind of like to spiritually bypass to the, oh, well, they're in heaven now or whatever it is. And that's mm-hmm. fine. That's, you know, fine and dandy, but it's it's like, but you, you still have this human lived experience that gets passed over. Right. You know? And so I just yeah. would love to talk a little bit about our cultural kind of awareness and um, equipping for just facing the idea of death. Because the more that I just face the idea of death, a lot of people have death anxiety. Yeah. The more I think it actually helped me lean into grief. Yeah. In a more normalized way. A lot of... um a lot of the things that we believe in, especially surrounding death, and as you brought up, um, the spiritual bypassing of, oh, they're in a better place now, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. we'll just pray the pain away, mm-hmm. right? If, if someone you love is diagnosed with cancer, boom, that's a diagnosis. That's grief. 
Right. And you can't pray the pain away. Now, miracles happen. God can Mm -hmm. work miracles. (laughs) However, we cannot live day to day just without, without taking action, right? Prayer can be your first response, but it should never be your last. Mm. You need to take further action. Mm. And I think we get so hung up and are, um, we're very ill-equipped to deal with grief and death in our culture yeah. because of the myths that have consciously and subconsciously been passed down for generations. Our parents are only teaching us what they know. And mm. what they know is generally only ever what their parents or society right. taught them. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the myths that are passed down in grief are that, oh, you know, in 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 the spiritual world, it's let's pray this pain away or they're they're in a better place. Don't worry. But just as you said, no, I, I'm human. I'm here and this still sucks. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yes. There's no way this is not going to suck right now mm-hmm. when my person just left, you know? Yeah. Um, some other myths are replace the loss. For example, right. young oh. children will lose a dog. Oh, don't worry, honey, we'll get you another one. Right. Well, no, I, I still miss that first dog. <laughs> this new dog is awesome. Don't get me wrong. Super pumped for our future. Yeah. However, I was planning a future with that dog. And <laughs> that hurts. So please don't just erase mm-hmm. all of the memories mm-hmm. I just created erase with this prior dog, mm-hmm. right? Or another myth is that time will heal. Yes. And, oh, give it time and, and you'll feel okay, right? If you just um, if you just broke up with uh, your partner and yeah. it had been a five-year relationship oh. and you thought there was going to be a yeah. ring and, oh, just give it time. There's plenty of fish in the sea is mm. another myth, right? And it's like, no, you're just completely discrediting the last five years of my life and the future that I had planned out with this person. Yeah. Um, time will heal. That myth is if, you know, if you, if you break an arm, yeah. And you wait three hours, it's not going to fix itself. Mm. Mm. No, and the same yeah. way, the same thing happens with our hearts when we have a broken heart. Yeah. You cannot just wait for it to heal and oh, mend that's itself. So true. Don't get me wrong, our bodies are incredible and they are incredibly self healing, yeah. but when your emotions are broken and your heart is broken, it will not heal itself. It does require action. And so I think the more action we take to address these myths yes. and and debunk them and take proper actions yeah. to process, the more we will normalize death in our culture and we yes. will normalize grievances, everyday grievances mm-hmm. at all levels. Yeah. But but as you were saying, yeah. death will be so normal because again, it's certain. <laughs> it's the one certain thing, death and taxes, right? And change, right? But like, yeah, because I, I just think about like other cultures that kind of implement this into their cultural rituals and practices. For example, oh, yeah. the, you know, Jewish community has something called Shiva. I hope I'm saying it right. Um, and that's where they have a seven day period following a burial, you know, where they literally just kind of mourn with the family, like for Mm -hmm. those full seven days. And they might have other family members come by and visit them. But like those seven days are dedicated after the burial for grief. Yeah. Right. And so like, and I'm sure there are other cultures, but it's like, I just think about that. Like there are cultures that really do have these rituals and practices to recognize grief and to, to process it. And so like, yeah, I just think about that for ourselves. Like, what are ways that we 
as a culture can kind of make these things more normalized like this. Yeah. And I think it's also human nature. Yeah. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to face it. And we, you know, and I think that living in that balance, as you get older, you start becoming more comfortable and you have to start becoming more comfortable with the realities of life. And yet, you know, both that zoomed out picture and also that day-to-day zoomed in Mm -hmm. picture of like, look at all the people around me that I love that are here, right here in this present moment. And so it's always that balance of being present with what is here and now and also zoomed out with like, hey, what's to come and knowing, you know, like that everything will be okay. And that, um, you know, it is something we have to come to terms with. But I think it does take, um, I think there's a lot that can really come up when you say like, oh, we should get a little bit more comfortable with like thinking about death and stuff like that, that can, there is so much that can come up for people. And so it is, it makes sense to me why a lot of people don't want to think about it and why it's really hard to talk about it and all of that. So that's very normal. Um, And yet at the same time, these are the conversations and the Mm -hmm. ways of thinking that will actually help you in day-to-day life. Just be present with what is around you. Yeah. Yeah. I love the phrase, you know, when it comes to death, when it comes to death and grief, you don't move on from grief. You move forward right. with grief, Correct. right? So it's like always a part of you, like missing this person is always a part of you. And there are kind of these highs and lows. And I know like even sometimes in the beginning, there's that guilt when good things are happening and you're feeling like happy. And it's like, no, that person would want you to feel happy, you know, yeah. and have those experiences. Sometimes there's that dissonance of like having happiness during grief. Yeah. That can create some guilt. Yeah. And that's you one know? of the truths that I always have to share yeah. with people that I'm working with is a lot of times guilt is one of those emotions that will come up. Yeah. And Why am guilt, I happy while they're gone? Yeah. But guilt by definition is willful intent to harm. Mm. And so I always ask them, is it your intention to harm your loved one? And the mm. answer is always no, of right. course not. Right. So guilt is a misplaced emotion that you're feeling right now. Wow. You are, you're putting the guilt on yourself. However, without any willful intent to harm, that is misplaced. And what you're truly feeling is grief that this person can't experience the happiness that you feel today. Mm -hmm. That's real. Yeah. I always say that grief is, um, you know, part of grief is the, the birth of a new lifetime. Mm. I lived a lifetime prior mm-hmm. with my brother and now I'm in a second lifetime, yeah. unfortunately, without him. Mm. Um, because, you know, I think it's... It's a different life. It really is. Yeah. And I, I think it's something that every person who has gone through that... Um, the loss of a loved one experiences where you wake up and your world has stopped, but you look outside and there are still people in their cars on their way to work. Yes. There's still people yeah. at the coffee shop in line to get their latte. That's so real. And it's like, I can't even, you know, I, the day I found out that I lost my brother, I was, le- I was, I packed my bags. My entire family lives on the East Coast. So I was flying oh, home wow. and I just threw as much as I could in a suitcase. I didn't know how long I was going to be there. Yeah. So I just threw a ton of stuff in my suitcase and and I was like, I, there's nothing in the fridge. I need to go grocery shopping yeah. for my husband. You know, the sporadic thoughts that are just cycling. So I walk into Trader Joe's and 
if you've ever been into a Trader Joe's, all of the employees are super happy and mm-hmm. waving at you. And of course, they all know my name because I'm there. My husband <laughs> eats a ton. So they're like, hey, Rihanna, how's it going? And I'm just distraught, right. deer in headlights. And I'm just like reaching for frozen foods. Like numb. Yeah. And I'm like, how can you even be smiling right now? You know? Mm. So again, it's that birth. Yeah. It's a birth of a second lifetime. Um, And and so it can be really, really world rocking. But again, it's looking at, you know, what, to bring it back, that that guilt is a totally misplaced emotion. Yeah. um, In just the grief that you wish that person could be there and experience this new lifetime with you. And I appreciate you sharing like the heightened sensitivity that's taking place during grief because that's like back to what you said earlier, there is a disassociation from the world around you because the world is going on like normal, but your whole entire world has just changed and you're simultaneously living in these two worlds at the same time. Yeah. You kind of feel like you're going a little crazy. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Nuts. (laughs) Like, I mean, total disassociation. Yeah. But then there's just like, yeah, you just feel, it's it's almost like an existential feeling. Yeah. Because you Mm -hmm. feel so sober to everything. Like you feel everything more deeply, more intensely. Mm -hmm. You feel sensitive Mm -hmm. to everything. You just feel heightened sensitivity. And it's paralyzing. To everything, you know? And I think when you're in that, in that moment, you feel like you're always going to feel that way, you know? But that level of sensitivity does pass over time. You do kind of settle back into life. It's a different life but you don't feel that, at least that heightened mm. forever. It's like, you, but do you feel it? You feel it initially. Oh my God. Yeah. You know? And when and it's, it's like a lot. right there oh God, in the moment. Like I remember once when I lost one of my best friends um, in 2017 and I was rushing to get the next flight out because she was like on her last, you know, like she was at the oh. hospital. And I was like, if I get this flight, I can go make it there before she goes. And I just remember like running through the airport, like just running. And of course, like the, like needing to be there before she actually passes. And I just like, they just closed the gate, like, mm-hmm. like five minutes before I'm, I'm already going <laughs> to cry thinking of it because like, no matter where you are, yeah, you can't just like, not like in that moment when the door shut and I called them, I was like, I'm not going to make it. It was like, I, no one was around me. Like there was no one there. And I was like, I, I like freaking don't care who's around me right now. I have to cry. Like yeah. I was, you know, and you're yeah. just rushing. Like I remember rushing. I was in Dulles. I was in Maryland. And I was going on the little people mover thing. And I was just in the corner, just ugly crying and sobbing. And I was like, I know no one and no one is here to comfort me, but I can't. And I think that's why it can be so hard too, is because you have so many built up emotions. So much. And it almost feels and you can't just find like, sometimes you don't have a place to just yeah. go and and I think it's really important like it's for people to know that like it's okay to feel those strong emotions especially when you're going through it and everywhere you look everything reminds you of them you know and yeah. I just there were people there that were like oh you know are you okay can I help you you're right and I was just like you just don't know what to say you're like you can't help me yeah, like this yeah. is all just grief and so. But like in those acute moments, it it really does like, it yeah. is so it's overwhelming. So yeah. But it's like, you know, so helpful. Like even, and, and it's just funny because it never fully, 
you know, like I don't access that memory very often, but obviously when I, whenever I do, I cry. And I think that that also just kind of shows that, you know, it never, you're not ever supposed to like get over the grief of it, right? right. but you learn again, like how to live with it with and, it. Yeah. and like, and manage and continue yeah. in the new life that you have, not that it's better, but like in a different lifetime, which I love the way that you put that. It's just yeah. another lifetime. It feels impossible. Like it feels like an impossible emotion. Like you feel like it is not possible to live with that level mm, right. of emotion. You just like, how, how, how can I survive this? Yeah. I am breaking. My existence is breaking. It's crazy how we do survive it, but it feels like, I think it's one of the hardest things in life. I think it's grief is actually the loss is the hardest part of the human experience Yeah, to know that in this life, in this existence, you'll never see this person again that you've always existed with. Mm. That's the hardest thing. It feels like an impossible emotion. Yeah. I think it, again, it, it feels impossible because, and you know, we're saying you move forward in grief, which is absolutely true. Um, but I always say you, you have to grow around it. Mm. Yes, yes, um, yes. The grief will always exist in you mm. and you learn to live with it and you grow around it as you learn to process these emotions. Um, and I think that's why it feels impossible because it is impossible for who we are in that moment in time. Mm. But we grow into these, um, you grow into a bigger, better version mm. of yourself. Right. Not to say bigger or better, but you grow into a different version of yourself as you move forward in this new lifetime and understanding um, this, this deep hurt. I always yeah. say like loss gives you a new lens on life. Yeah. makes wow. it immediately when I lost my brother and I started processing my grief, I instantaneously gained this new depth of mm -hmm. understanding right. that, you know, the cliche saying, you never know what someone's going through. It's actually true. I picture my seeing myself in that Trader Joe's in the freezer aisle when mm -hmm. that associate approached me and was like, Hey, how's it going? Can mm. I help you with anything? And I'm just like, uh, you know, nothing to say. I, right. I picture that in every person I deal with in every single day. So it gives you this profound sense of, or this profound ability of patience, compassion for where other people are. Yeah. And so, um, again, to your point, I think it, it can feel impossible because mm -hmm. it's impossible for who you are in that moment. Yeah. And we have to grow, um, as individuals in our emotional agility and our emotional capacity to withstand yeah. such a difficult topic. And, mm, yeah. and that's who we become in that second lifetime. That's so profound. And I do think there is a profoundness to death when you actually lean into the concept of it, because like, you know, it's, again, it, it, it brings this sober mindedness, you know, to where knowing that death has this kind of finality here, actually wakes you up to life, right? Yeah. And knowing that, oh, time is limited. Relation, time in relationships with people are limited. And I know for me, it woke me up to actually like just a large appreciation, a deep appreciation for the people around me, knowing that one day they will be gone, you know, for the things that I feel call and purpose to do in the world, knowing that 
time here is limited. Like there's kind of that flip side of like death sobers you and awakens you to life. Yeah. You know, Um, which is really interesting because I like as we get older, you experience more grief. And and I remember having that moment like after, because I experienced a loss with my grandfather this earlier this year. And he was like Mm -hmm. another father figure to me where I had this feeling of like, this is so painful. Like this hurts so much. Is this something I'm going to have to keep reoccurringly experiencing for the rest of my life? And realizing that like, this isn't going to be the last time I feel this. As I get older, I'm going to lose more people. Like, you know, and that becomes a reality. Yeah. You know, and so it's actually one of my biggest fears right now. It makes me think of, and I don't know. Because when you're younger, you don't think about it as much. Right. Because you haven't lost as many people yet. Correct. Right? Like typically, some people have. Some people have lost their parents young and they see the world in a completely different way. Right. Because they experience loss really early. Yeah. You know, but for a lot of people maybe who haven't, you know, it's like in your, maybe your teens and your twenties, you haven't really experienced it. Life has been like a bliss and then you get older and then you start losing people. And then as you get older, you start losing more and more people that are close to you. Yeah. And so it's like, you realize like, oh man, like grief is something that I'm going to have to get a little familiar with Yeah. at some point and normalize because dang it, this isn't the last time I'm going to feel this. Yeah. It's, a, it's such a definite part of life. It makes me think of, and I don't know what show that, you know, I saw this in, but it makes me think of when older people are in a season where, you know, as you grow older, all of your friends in your group are getting married Mm. around the same time. And then you all start to have babies around the same Mm. time. And, and when you get older, older, people start to die within the same season. And so you have all of these older friends groups of, people going to each other's funerals, not going to each other's. Yeah. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. they're going to funerals of their close friends, people that they grew up with. And it becomes that season of life because they're all nearing the end of their life around the same time. And if, you know, it, it makes me think of waiting. If we waited until we were in that age and that season, mm. how quickly would that lead us, you know, all yeah. of that emotional distress, just how how much quicker would that lead us to our finality and our own death if we never learn to process these, you know, given that we're bearing the weight of all of the life grievances that we've gone mm-hmm. through up to that point, mm-hmm. um, how much worse off are we if yeah. we never learn to process that? But um, yeah, just like you said, the person who is younger is living a completely different life because they've learned that. And this is now something that they've had to grow around and are carrying. When, when you say for those who have, like might wait until they're older to process through like how much harder it is, what does that look like, you know, to process grief and not just major loss, but just grief in general, what does that, was that look like for, um, you know, in everyday life? What, how do you process grief? Like, what does that actually, what do we mean when we say that? Yeah, that's a great question. So as I shared, um, 
I truly believe that part of the grief that we hold on to is everything that has been uncommunicated. That, mm-hmm. you know, again, those hopes, dreams, and expectations that you held for that person that is no longer in your life or that season of life. Maybe it's a career change. You got let go from a company that you just worked with for 15 years yeah. and you thought you would be with them yeah. forever. Yeah. You, you wanted to retire with them. You love them so much. But a global pandemic happened and they're downsizing and they no longer need you. You know, that's a grief in and of itself. And with that loss, what it looks like to process is, I always say awareness is the first thing. Mm. Um, And part of the awareness of understanding your grief is understanding your habits and how you, um, it's like our internal operating system, right? Mm -hmm. So anytime we go through a grievance, a change or a loss in life, we innately lean into what I call these short-term energy releasing behaviors. Mm -hmm. They are habits that we naturally grip onto that make us feel better and help us alleviate ourselves from that intense emotion. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't make the emotion go away, right? It's still harbored inside of us. However, it makes us able to deal with it in the present moment. So these, I I call them STURBs. Mm. These STURBs can be um, anything. It can be, they're they're just coping mechanisms, truthfully. So it can be um, substance abuse with alcohol and drinking. And as the holidays are approaching, that's something that we see often a lot in the holidays is people will drink more or we see um, shopping, for example. Retail therapy (laughs) is another one. (laughs) Don't Um, come after retail therapy (laughs) now. (laughs) (laughs) I felt seen. (laughs) Um, But yeah, retail therapy like is Amazon absolutely, therapy. yeah, <laughs> you know, click and order and we feel better now that something is on its way for yeah. us and it <laughs> helped us alleviate that feeling of lack or mm. that feeling of loss mm. that we were just feeling. Yeah. Um, so substance abuse, um, retail therapy can be one. Another STURB is... Um, is it an acronym? STURB is short-term energy releasing behavior. Okay. Yeah. Did I not catch on to that earlier? (laughs) (laughs) She mentioned it once, but I'm glad you, I'm glad you repeated that. Brought it back up. Yeah. 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 Another STURB is, um, you know, really they're just an illusion that is providing that relief. But Mm. another one can be uh, fitness. People can become Mm. obsessed with Mm. fitness. Um, You see a lot of that. And this is for someone who, for example, um, people that feel a loss of control in their life who may, right? And and grievances um, at their, the depths of them can lead us into, unfortunately, mental illnesses, right? So someone who experiences a loss of control over and over again, well, your body might be the only thing that you control. So you might now be someone who is living with or struggling with an eating disorder, Mm -hmm. anorexia or bulimia. And someone who is now triggered at that sensitive state of now a mental illness because of a lack of processing their grievance properly, um, who has leaned into their stir- their alternate stirbs of maybe retail therapy and, mm. and buying things, right? Yeah. Who has someone who has control over their body and they're buying all the small clothes, but maybe they've gone through the holidays and they've had too much to eat and they're feeling really triggered by mm. how much that they ate and they're back in that loss of control over themselves in their body, maybe they might lean into a fitness competition 
or uh, they might lean into a new career mm-hmm. um, in fitness or a, a leaning towards a life change that they feel like they can grip because it's giving them the relief of um, having control, control again, yeah. but also it's allevi- it's alleviating that feeling of the loss of control over their body because they're now entering a season where they can control it. Mm-hmm. And so um, it can be an obsession with fitness. Like I said, the shopping, it can be a substance abuse. It can, it can truthfully be anything, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately. It can be um, a diving into a relationship because yeah. that feeling of love and appreciation. And so all you want to do, it's like this obsessiveness within that relationship because you find that that person is maybe giving you a purpose. Yeah. When Ugh. you lost your purpose yes. or your direction yeah. in life. So stirbs are the things that we lean into to help provide us this temporary relief. It reminds me, sorry, of people who throw themselves into work. Yeah. Like workaholism. Yes. You know, where you just work, 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 work Mm -hmm. to distract yourself. Yes. As well. Stirbs are complete distraction. And how you recognize that you're practicing in a stirb, right? Because we're bringing us back around to uh, how we're pro- how we're able to process grief is mm. to first understand our awareness of what is causing us to feel like we need a distraction, right? Mm-hmm. But in order to ask yourself that question, you have to understand that you're in a distraction, which are the stirbs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how you recognize that you're in a distraction is... Um, and especially for it to be a short-term energy releasing behavior, Mm -hmm. it will only provide that relief for a short period of time. So you might be someone who has experienced a loss and maybe you don't even really like alcohol. You don't even really like uh, wine, but Mm -hmm. you're suddenly going to vineyards with your friends and wineries and you find yourself drinking more. And after a certain period of time, you're like, who am I? I don't even truly enjoy this. Why am I partaking in this so much? So you stop the drinking, but now you start leaning into another obsession. So when you find yourself jumping from obsession mm-hmm. to upset, like like acute obsession mm-hmm. to acute obsession, you have to recognize that I'm leaning into these obsessions because I'm avoiding something that I'm presently feeling. Mm. And so you have to ask yourself, what is it that I'm working so hard to avoid feeling right now? Mm. Why am I reaching for these uh, hobbies and these these lifestyles and actions Uh to distract myself? Um, And that awareness and understanding... Um, what it is that you're trying to distract yourself from allows you to open up. And it's that first glimmer of vulnerability Mm. where you can open up and say, you know, I am feeling this and it's still really hurt, you know? And, and, and this could be an experience that you went through when you were six. It doesn't have to be something that happened yesterday. Mm. You know, people go their entire lifetime operating yeah. from stirb to stirb to stirb to stirb. Yeah, and distraction yeah. and and coping because that's really all that is. It's- so so when and I, I I just like I I always love like getting right down to the to the depth of the matter. So for example, if someone recognizes what their stirb is and they're like, "Man, this is something that I'm doing to distract myself." Mm-hmm. Then at that point, if they're wanting to continue to process that grief, once they recognize it and they realize I need to do this less, so then they go and they do it. And you know, what 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 do they replace that with? How else do they process? Like, 
that awareness is that first step. Yes. But what could be that second step? Yeah. So your stir becomes the indicator of what you're going through rather than the solution. So when you find yourself gravitating towards the behaviors, you then ask the question. Um, I would write it down, Mm. first of all, and have that Mm self-recognization because a lot of it is... um, we sort of identify ourselves with who we are and who we're operating as in these stirs. And so you kind of have to pull yourself out of it and stop identifying with it. Mm -hmm. So writing it down enables you to do that. Um, And then I would, once you write it down and kind of separate your identity from it, Mm. um, it allows you to go back and understand, well, what was I being triggered with? Because for someone who faced a... Maybe you lost a family member to a drunk driving accident. And maybe you are finding distraction. You're now, you know, this was, you know, you lost your parents to a drunk driving accident when you were 11. And now you're in your 30s and you don't have an aggression towards alcohol necessarily. You understand it's a natural part of life. However, you are still dealing with that loss and you are still triggered because as long as you're living with an unresolved grief, you will be triggered. Mm. And so you're, it's the holidays and you're at an event with, you know, say you, you live far away from your other family members and you're at an event with a friend's family members and someone gets a little too happy off the wine at dinner or something, anything. And suddenly you're triggered by writing it down, by first having that awareness and then writing it down and separating yourself from it. Now you can, now you're able to visually see the triggers that are bringing you to a place Mm, where you're jumping into stirs. And once you identify your triggers, that often enables you to then identify exactly what it is that you're avoiding. Yeah. And now we can start to take those steps of what is it that is uncommunicated here Mm. for that person that lost their parents, that accident. What is it that you want to communicate to maybe the person who was driving? Maybe Mm. they passed away too. You know, maybe you want to, maybe you're in a season of life where you want to offer them forgiveness because it doesn't always have to be hate or anger, right? Right. But maybe you want to forgive them and alleviate yourself of carrying their burden, Mm. right? Because that's what forgiveness is. It's our hope for a better tomorrow. It has nothing to do with the other person. Yeah. I always say it's so rude to ask for forgiveness. So rude. <laughs> oh, interesting. Like that has, n- my forgiveness for you has nothing to do with you and everything to do with me. That is so true. Yeah. It's my hope for a better, or excuse me, it's my hope for a better yesterday. Mm. But it's like, that's been said and done. Yeah. No one can change that. Mm-hmm. So I'm forgiving it and releasing yeah. that. So please don't ask for it because that's rude. <laughs> <laughs> That is such a different perspective. And I really love that because I think processing is so important. Mm -hmm. And we absolutely put it off. We distract ourselves. We don't know how also. And so I think the things that you shared are so important. And also going from your example of you went to go see a a grief counselor, Mm -hmm. specifically a grief counselor. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really good. Getting that support and processing it out loud with other people when it's appropriate. That takes vulnerability. Yeah. Oh my gosh. To be like, 
hey, can I talk to you? Especially, you know, I mean, I think for women, we kind of create communities around us and it's a little bit easier. Sometimes for men, it's not as easy to find that safe person where you can just like open your heart to. Yeah. Um, and so, but there are grief counselors, there are therapists, there are- There are grief groups. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Groups. But that awareness is so important at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. And I always share too with people is- um, because that's hard mm-hmm. to just open yourself up to someone mm-hmm. and talk, right? And so I always share with people that one of the ways that you can A, support someone around you who's going through an incredibly difficult mm-hmm. grief season or B, yourself are going through a grief season are to identify those people that are a safe space. Mm. Um a reel that I've seen go around that's trending is is when you're hanging out with your best friend and you don't have to socially occupy them. Yeah. So it's like two best that. friends yes. just sitting there in silence. And it's like, how amazing does that feel, right? And what I think people fail to see is that that's a form of empathy. Mm. It's a form of just being able to take up space and emotionally support one another without, mm. again, occupying them or presenting or hosting yeah, them, right? Entertaining them, yeah. Putting on, masking. Yes. All these things, performing. Exactly. All, it's so exhausting. All of the things. And that's one of the best ways that you can be supportive to yourself or someone who is in a grief season is showing up in empathy. Yeah. So I always use the analogy in the holiday season, and this is a real life analogy, of um, the family sitting around a table at a Thanksgiving dinner. Maybe we're past dinner and dessert mm-hmm. and everyone's just sitting around talking and you know, and, and maybe sharing memories about a yeah. loved one that they lost or or just talking about life stories, yeah. right? As we do around the dinner table. Um, and someone who is really hurting or taking the loss really hard um, is sitting in another room all by themselves on a couch and the TV's not on and it's dark, there's no lights on, but they're just sitting in there kind of taking their time. Sympathy would be inviting them over to the table. Hey, Brianna, Mm. come sit with us. Like, we love you. We want you in the conversation. Mm -hmm. Come over, right? Sympathy is from a place of feeling bad that they're alone. Yeah, yeah, not necessarily. Like, you do feel bad. That yeah, they're yeah, yeah. that they're feeling so heavy, but also like you, you're trying to love on them. You're inviting them in. You're 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 operating from a place of what you know, right? Mm, we know yeah. sympathy because we're so quick to move beyond the hurt and the pain, right? Mm-hmm. That's how we're socialized. But empathy would be just getting up and going to sit with the other person mm. and not saying a word. Yeah, just existing in that moment and that mm. space with them, allowing them to feel and just letting them know that you're there yeah. whenever they need. Yeah. And you and that they don't even need to express yes. I'll, you know, I'll need you, but you're just offering yourself up that in that, yeah, in that place of empathy. Um so I always say that differentiation of um being empathetic with someone mm-hmm. instead of being sympathetic with them is incredibly helpful and just showing up and allowing them to take up space however they want to is super helpful to support someone who is in that grief season. Yeah, I'm so glad that you're bringing up like some ways to help others during the holidays and and kind of like shifting to the holidays. Brianna, I'm curious, how was your first holiday season for you after the loss of your brother? Like what was the holidays like? Because obviously everyone's used to that person being around. I know for us, as we lose more and more people in our family, look at the table and that, that emptiness Mm-hmm. is very present and it's there. You can see and feel who's missing, yeah. you know, which is another reason why it can be highlighted. So yeah, like maybe someone who's listening, maybe they just lost someone. 
or, you know, maybe it's their first year or their second year without this person around for the holidays. And that can feel so highlighted, Mm -hmm. you know, what was, what was the first holiday like season like for you and your family after the loss of your brother? Yeah, it's really hard. Um, and nothing anyone says or does will take away Mm -hmm. what you're feeling (laughs) because it is going to be difficult. It is going to be painful. But one thing to remember is a, no one, no one is guilty. And so if you're, if you find yourself in a moment where Mm -hmm. you are sitting at that table and there is that empty chair at the table and someone cracks a smile or tells Mm -hmm. a joke or a story and, and you recognize yourself in a, a glimmer of happiness, um, don't, feel bad. And I know I can say that. And you're like, I'm still going to feel bad. (laughs) I understand that. However, I want you to practice alleviating yourself of the burden and the fault that you can't, that you're, that you're able to enjoy a moment in time without them. Mm. Um, Alleviate yourself of the pressures that the normal holiday season brings on the overwhelm um, that, just comes with back-to-back holidays and providing and socializing and showing up and hosting yeah. and and again, masking, right? Um, alleviate yourself of that pressure and just show up however feels most comfortable to you. Mm. If your family always dresses up to the nines for mm-hmm. a Christmas party mm-hmm. and you don't feel like dressing up, Put on your sweatpants um, and show up however you want to show up or don't show up at all. Yeah, Don't feel the pressure that you have to show up in this season just because the time of season that it is. Um, Because offering yourself that alleviation and just being where you're at is so healing to how you're feeling. Um, and and validating to your feelings, right? Because a lot of times we will devalue our emotions that we're going through, which paralyzes our processing of them. And we will show up and yeah. and try to be present and try to move on. And when we put that effort into trying when it doesn't feel right, we're actually pushing ourselves further backwards and we're shrinking Mm. ourselves that much more and making our, we're just sort of adding to the the grief and the emotion that we're feeling instead of growing around it. Um, So really try to alleviate yourself of the pressure to even show up, to show up a certain way, um, you know. um, But I do also want to encourage you that being alone is also a stirb. (laughs) Isolation (laughs) can be a stirb, a short-term energy-releasing behavior. So we want to make sure that um, if you do need a moment alone, take the moment alone, but also don't sit alone in silence um, because it feels good. Mm. Don't just stay alone. Mm -hmm. Um, Challenge yourself Mm -hmm. to surround yourself with safe people. Yeah. um, With people that you don't need to host or put on for, but that you can sit in silence together. Yeah. And and thinking about that and just like, obviously ways that we can um, cope through the holiday season and cope with the loss of loved ones. I also love the idea of part of that process being that we 
also honor them, mm. you know, because yeah. sometimes that can be really healing, just like honoring their lives. And again, going back to like cultures that actually have this ingrained in their practices, yeah. right? We think of Dia de los Muertos, where the Day of the Dead, which they have mm-hmm. for Mexico. It's beautiful. Where, right? Where they have a day to specifically focus on and honor and celebrate the life of their loved ones that they lost. Mm-hmm. And so I know that you mentioned like, um, maybe journaling or mm-hmm. writing a letter to them. You know, my dad did that. He lost his mom at 16. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also lost his sister young. So like our family and my dad has been through a lot of loss really early on. Um, and so he like wrote letters to his mom, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so I know some people will like light a candle for their loved one. And so, um, yeah, do you, either of you have any like coping methods or things that you do or would like to do or encourage around maybe also honoring, taking this time in the holiday season to set aside a time to honor that person rather instead of, rather than doing a stirb, yeah. distracting yourself, like taking that time to say, no, I, I really do miss this person and I miss their life and I honor their life. And what are some ways I can take their legacy and what I took from their life mm-hmm. and take it forward with me in my memory and who I am and all of that. Um, yeah, just thinking of ways to commemorate and maybe honor that loss. Yeah, I'm such a fan of writing the letter. Yeah. Because you're uh, you're absolutely right. Honoring the loss and, and the person that you lost is part of that healing. It's part of that communication. Um, And so writing a letter to them allows you to communicate things to them that you otherwise would not have been able to. And so that action in of itself is part of the processing. Now, when it comes to the holiday season and how you might be able to honor them through the difficulty or the weight of the expectations on the holiday season would be to share memories of yeah. them yeah. Um, and, and talk about things that you love. One thing that really helped me was that I would say out loud and in front of people because there needs to be witnesses, right? When we say it to ourselves in the mirror, that's not processing. Mm. <laughs> um, but when we say it out loud in the presence of people, it really helps. And so I would say, if Bailey were here right now, I would tell him. Mm. And it doesn't Aww. have to be this, this, you know, of course, if my brother were here right now, I would tell him, I love you and yes. hold on. Emotions are 90 seconds. You don't need to do this. Hold on. I'm here. Right. Like I would absolutely say those things. However, it can be beautiful. If Bailey were here right now, I would tell him to show me the latest dance move that you learned <laughs> because my brother was always just busting a random move yeah. all of, everywhere he went. So I would be like, teach me oh. this move, mm-hmm. you know? And so you can lighten the weight of mm-hmm. the moment around the table by not only honoring them and sharing memories, but share something that you would tell them right now and offer a moment for your family members to communicate because within that communication, you'll start to see the fl- like the love flourish because yeah. truthfully, that's ultimately how we process our grief is not only that communication, but flourishing our love for that person and realizing that your love moves on for them, even though they are no longer here. Yeah. And I love that too, because, um, and I know we're going to talk about supporting other people who have lost loved ones too, but I think sometimes people think that um, when they're interacting with someone who's lost a loved one, that that if they bring it up, then maybe it'll bring up too many emotions. They don't want to talk about it. Mm. But 
but talk about them. Like, yeah. talk, you know, and so what, one of the things that I do um, is like, I'll text their loved ones who also loved them, um, like right around any type of anniversary or any type of birthday or anything like that, just to be like, oh my goodness, you know, like um, my cousin um, uh, committed suicide, uh, my cousin-in-law uh, t- in 2019. And um, and she was, uh, he was married to um, my cousin who was 20. Four, twenty-five at the time. They were really young. Oh, so and young. He was the same age, um, and he was a marine and everything. So, um, but I'll, you know, I'll text her, and mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'm always like, "Oh, you guys are such an iconic couple," you know, like, like you guys were, like, you know, and we'll repost a story with their faces on it and be like, "Oh my gosh, that was an amazing wedding," because it was like nine months after their wedding that he passed, and um, you know, we'll just like relive memories, and mm-hmm. I think that that is a great way to honor them is just talk about them. Yeah. You know, I, keep their memory alive. Absolutely. Yes, keep their memory alive. One of the things I always tell people is one of the number one ways you can specifically support someone who lo- who is grieving the loss of a loved one is to simply say the sentence, tell me about them. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's so true when someone is dealing with a loss, just as you said, Renella, everyone running up to you at the airport, they didn't know what to say. We're not, no one our entire lives were taught how to acquire things, how to become better versions Mm. of ourselves, how to learn, how to gain. No one teaches you how to lose, Mm. how to deal with loss, especially the loss of a loved one. And so when it comes to that, we don't know what to say. We're unprepared for the moment. And one of the most powerful things that you can do to A, express to that person that you don't feel okay right now, but you will be okay, mm. is to say, tell me about them. Mm-hmm. That's so Tell true. me about your favorite person, the person that is on your heart that you love so much that you wish was here right now. Tell me about them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't believe some of the stories that happen, yeah. some of the, just the emotions that come forward. People will be bawling their eyes out, but like smiling and laughing and sharing yeah. about their favorite memory. It's such a beautiful way to honor their loved one is to just say, mm-hmm. tell me about them. Yeah. Sometimes it's so easy to focus so much on the death and how that died and how mm-hmm. they died. And I'm just of the belief, like they had a whole life yeah. before they died that made mm-hmm. them who they were. Yeah. They weren't just their end. Yeah. You know, they were the whole life before them. So really just being able to like highlight all of that, I think is really important, you know, yeah. to celebrate, it celebrate really their life. Yeah, and anything else that um, for someone who maybe hasn't gone through um, a major loss, but they know people who have. Um, we talked about like, hey, ask them how, you know, tell me about who they are. Are there any other uh, types of tips to support a grieving loved one during the holidays? Maybe you haven't gone through the loss, but but you want to support someone who has. You Maybe you're going to see them at, at Christmas time or at Thanksgiving. Um, any type of tips, Um besides what we've talked about? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think the sympathy or or the empathy versus Mm -hmm. sympathy approach, um, helping them honor their loved one, asking them about them Mm -hmm. are all amazing things to help support them. But also... um, You know, and just just being there to take up space with them. But also, you know, none of us are invincible to Mm -hmm. 
loss and grief. We all have it. Mm. Uh, and especially around, we all have unresolved grief because no one knows how to deal with loss, right? We just talked yes. about that. So um, understanding that we all have that and understanding the, the pressures of the holiday season, there's a lot of um, what we call shoulds. Mm, I yeah. should be happy. I should feel good. I should feel joy. I I should be focused on the kids Ugh, right now and right. not myself. I I should be loving to my husband instead of angry to him. I should show up versus not. Mm. Um, we we hold that over ourselves, and so just edifying someone with where they're at, um, especially if they're moving through a season of grief, is really beautiful. Um, in a time where they're probably shooting all over themselves. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. It is exactly. so easy in this season to say, I should be doing this. I should mm. be doing that. And the reality is who you are and how you're showing up today needs to be exactly that and nothing more, nothing less, because yeah, there's nothing that. that you should be doing better yes. or you shouldn't. I mean, I can say there's probably things that maybe you shouldn't be doing, but <laughs> there's nothing that you should be doing better in your yeah. grief season and and um, just edifying someone of where they're at and that being okay, exactly. I think is a, is a really, really beautiful yeah, thing. Yeah, like normalizing it. Because I know there have been times where my friends are going through re- really heavy grief and I maybe you send them a text message, hey, I'm thinking of you. Maybe I'm sorry for your loss and I'm sending love to your family. Even just like no need to respond right away. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, or even just normalize, don't feel bad. If you haven't responded, I know you probably have a lot going on, but just know that I'm here, right? Because even I think today's modern age is the shoulds wrong communication. Yeah, it's like you don't have to respond right away. Right, I'm here whenever you, whenever you have the capacity. Right, you know things like that. You know the the way that people might kind of come in and out mm-hmm. of communication yeah. and connection, and just um, being very just non judgmental and open toward that. Yeah, such an important one. Oh, this is like such a great conversation because it is so real, you know? Yeah. Um, It's a very real experience going into this coming season. So filled with mixed emotions. Right. Going into Mary and Joy, but then you also have like loss and grief. Like these things are are very commonly coexisting at the same time. And and we want people to just be human this season. Yeah. Just be a human. There's yeah. no, like we just talked about, there's nothing you should or should not be feeling, especially yeah. going into this. Everyone that's listening is going through their own experiences behind the scenes mm-hmm. that yeah. no one at the grocery store will ever really know or see. Um, and and this is a season to really give yourself a break, to give yourself permission to be human. Yeah. Um, the challenge of life and the challenge of being human is really that it is both these hard things and these beautiful things mm-hmm. that you feel so deeply All at, the at the same, same time. time. Yeah. And you're reminded that, that act, that's actually what makes you like alive. Yeah. yeah. That's actually what it means to be alive. And it's what it means to be human is that you feel all these things so right. deeply across life at various times. And it's a part of the human experience that we all have and they're different and they're unique experiences, but we all have them and it's a part of being alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing. It's as hard beauty. as it is, it is a beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah. Because when you have experienced the depths of loss and of pain, it also really highlights the joy mm-hmm. when you feel it and the fulfillment because you, you, and it's the opposite, right? When you mask 
the, dif- the difficult em- emotions, you also are masking the fullness of the the good emotions yeah. too. So it's actually feeling the depth of one that allows you to really appreciate and feel the depth of the other. And so that's like mm. kind of the spectrum of being human. And sometimes it's like, you're just like, oh, it's so hard. <laughs> I don't want to feel this. I don't want it. But it's a part of being alive and living fully. It is actually feeling everything. Yeah. Yeah. And part of um, going into the holiday season and the the pressures and the overwhelm of it all is part of it is just preparing yourself yes. and knowing that we've all gone through grief experiences. And I don't want to just hang our hat on the loss of a loved one while that is such a prevalent one because Mm -hmm. we did just go through a global pandemic and death is certain for all of us. Mm -hmm. I I want to normalize that grief is any loss and any change. And with the progression of where our society has been going and is continuing to move with more people being laid off, more people working from home and just the constant Mm. fluid change that we're facing today. I do want to normalize that we will all have unresolved grief sitting around our Thanksgiving tables and to, (laughs) yeah. And to just, um, you know, really, really prepare yourself, um, for the emotions that you're going to be feeling for some triggers that might come up, um, allow yourself to feel those. I always use the analogy of a tea kettle in that all of your unresolved grief and your, um, um, emotions are, for example, the water in the Mm. tea kettle and you might experience some triggers around the table and all of those are flames that will be added underneath that tea kettle. Mm. Those triggers can be, um, you know, your, um, despite being close to the end of the year, you're not where you want to be. Yeah. And so, And so that, um, you know, just going into, oh, how's everything going? Hey, how's the job over there going? You know, being right. asked that question from your family members. How's your husband? Right. Your, yeah. Exactly. All yeah. those questions might be triggers. Um, your sister might be mad at you because you, the state of your finances can be another trigger in trying to afford Christmas presents, mm-hmm. Christmas gifts. Um, your sister being upset at you because you can't go visit her and her her new baby mm-hmm. because of the state of your finances can be another trigger. Um, maybe you might see a family member that um, used to abuse you one way or another. Right. Maybe they were very emotionally abusive or or maybe you had the abuse on the opposite side of the spectrum where there was just always this expectancy of you and that you would be so much more, right? And that caters to, I'm not where I wanted to be by the yeah. end of the year. So, so it could be any number of triggers. That is real talk right there. Yes, <laughs> but just preparing yourself for the you know, the potential of being surrounded by triggers this season because all of those triggers are flames underneath your tea kettle and the expectancy we put on ourselves, right? All of those shoulds, I should show up to be with my family. I should be loving to my family and not begrudging because of, you know, all the the arguments that we had two weeks ago Mm. and I should be joyful this time of season. It's the happiest time of year, right? All of those shoulds are the cork in your tea kettle. And so if you're not careful, if you don't prepare, yourself, you might have an explosion yeah, and a singing, yeah, you yeah, might have a singing a kettle by the end of the table or the end of the dinner at table. So um, just help yourself by preparing yourself to, to walk into that holiday season and, and the potential of those triggers around the table. I love that. Helpful. I love that. And from a, you know, psychology perspective, 
Um, you can hold multiple emotions that are mm-hmm. uh, diametrically opposed at the same time. You can walk into that, you know, and, and hear all the different triggers and know like, oh my goodness, they made me feel from their comment, like I'm not good enough and I'm really annoyed at them. And I really love them. And they're my family member that I'll always love. And they're super annoying. Yes. And I'm all right, you know? And so I think that is just so true. That's letting the cork off of the, you know, the the cap off of that kettle is releasing yourself from the pressure Mm -hmm. of having to be where everyone says you should be or where you think you should be and having to um, resolve how you feel about people. Right. <laughs> right in that moment. You don't have to resolve yeah. it. You can just have multiple emotions sitting within you at the same time yes. and know like, yeah, they're mad at me, but I also love them. Or, yeah. you know, I'm not where I want to be, but there's also, oh man, that, that that's really good. Yeah, yeah. Those emotional boundaries are key where yeah. sometimes it's like, okay, that's, that's how they feel. That's, or that's where they are. That's mm-hmm. how they see things. And being able to say, I'm a independent individual, mm-hmm. my own thoughts, opinions, mm-hmm. and I don't have to align with and that this is actually, as a truth just because is, they said it. And that's yeah. allowed me to be able to navigate relationships that are difficult is to be able to say, okay, they said this, this is their thought, this is their opinion. Um, but you know, that's, that's not mine. I don't, I don't align with it. Or maybe it's their grieving That's what I'm saying. Sometimes a lot of times it's a reflection of them. A lot of times it's a reflection of them. we're trying to manage our own grieving process. It's not a reflection of you. And then the mom's grieving process. Yeah. How she, all the things she wanted for you. Yeah. But you got to let that pressure off because you can't hold on. Or even just people judging how each person grieves and where they, everyone grieves differently, different timelines. Right. And so someone might be like, why aren't you, you know, why aren't you sad or why are you happy? Whatever, like, mm. right? Like everybody has these different processes of grief too on their different timelines, yeah. right? And so they may, grief within the family might come out in different ways yeah. that may or may not clash or what have you. And just realizing, okay, this is how, this is the stage that this person is grieving in or this is where this person is at right now. Totally. It's not ill intent. They're trying to cope. We're all trying to cope and we're just, doing it in different ways. Yeah. I always say you have to look at grief as like a backpack. We're all born with and we carry these backpacks, right? And Mm -hmm. every grievance, every loss or change that we go through in life is a rock. Some of them are going to be small pebbles. Mm. Some of them might be boulders, right? A small pebble could be changing schools, going from one middle school to the other. Yeah. That's a difficult change. So that's going to be a little pebble in my backpack. Some of them are going to be giant rocks or boulders in your backpack that are the loss of a best friend or the loss of a sibling and a family member, right? And so Mm. that's going to be in your backpack. And you have to know that every person sitting at that table has a backpack on and they're all carrying it differently. Some people are going to carry it across the shoulder. Some people are going to carry it like a messenger bag. Some people are going to have two straps. Some people are not even going to make it to the table because it's weighing them down and they're they're down the hall or they're they're down the street. They couldn't make it because their backpack is just weighing them down. Yeah. Yeah. It's so heavy. And so who are we to judge other people on how they carry their backpack? We do it. But yeah. we need to understand to have that patience, that new lens on life that, yeah. you know, this is there. You've got grief. 
Yeah. Mm. And you're just dealing with your grief and that's okay because yeah. I have my own and I'm, I'm dealing with my own too. So having, you know, going into the dinner or, or the holiday season with a preparedness of your own backpack, what's in your backpack and what you can potentially work through and process and, and just having that lens to understand that everyone else is carrying a backpack too. Mm. And it's really heavy and we're all yeah. tired and we're just doing our best. <laughs> we're all tired. Yeah. yeah. Tried. And as we wrap up, I just want to throw this last tidbit in there. I do want to talk about the social media piece because now, mm. you know, we're grieving publicly. Yeah. Right? Because a lot of times we're publicly sharing a loss. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and even just sometimes we have a hyper awareness of, of how other people are perceiving our grief publicly. Yeah. Whether it's a breakup or a divorce or a loss. And even just, just thinking about that, right? Maybe you have in one post, oh, I'm so sad I'm grieving. And then you're like, oh, the next day, do I post this happy thing? Right. Right. Because I just told everyone I was sad and grieving. Does it make like what this new happy thing that I shared, does it invalidate? Yeah. Right. No. And of course we know that we're, we can feel multiple things at the same time, but I think that does come up. Oh, totally. And now you're, you're sharing publicly with people who have fragments of your life. Absolutely. And we look at social media and, and and I try to share everything and and normalize that as best I can because to eliminate the perspective that our social media is a highlight reel. And mm. so I, you know, that's one of the reasons why I did share about losing my brother. For me, my social media is kind of like a diary and they're kind of like my I friends and my homies that can just get a glimpse into my mind, but also help and also um, relate. Had I not posted, I never would have had this fr- a, a mutual friend, a friend of a friend um, who grew up in the town next to me also lost a brother to suicide when she was very young. Wow. And so she reached out and simply said the sentence, um, uh, uh, I'm here when you need me or when, or, or when you need someone who's gone through it, I'm here. Mm. And I will never, yeah, I'll never forget her sending that message. And all I could reply with is, I don't know when I need you, but I know that I will. Thank you so much. Mm. And to this day, we just remain, we remain homies because again, that type of loss gives you a new lens on life. And so when you find someone that you can relate to, you you hold on to them and and you Mm -hmm. sort of treasure them because they understand the weight of the rock that you're carrying in your backpack. And so I think when it comes to social media, and sharing, again, understand that we all have our backpacks and some people's backpack is heavy because um, they've experienced the same loss that you have and um, recognizing that just because they've experienced the same loss and your lives look different and they're able to smile Mm. in their next post doesn't mean that it's wrong how you're feeling. It doesn't mean that's wrong how they're feeling. So don't go hate comment. (laughs) Um, And ultimately that even though, you know, you recognize that this person's social media platform isn't their highlight reel. It doesn't mean that they're not still yes. carrying that rock. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. I just, yeah, as our, as we're in these changing social landscapes, mm-hmm. you know, there are these yeah. other things that we think about kind of compounded onto the hard things that we're already going through, like social media. 
yes. for some of us. So, um, so thanks for speaking to that and, and really to everything. This yeah, is gosh, thank you for being here. I hope this podcast will just be a this episode will just be a resource, a continued resource for those who are dealing with grief. For those of you who are listening, you know, listen to it as many times as you need. Hopefully, get some healing words out of it. And I think as we're kind of wrapping up, are there any resources or anything that you would recommend for anyone who's listening that's uh, going through grief and is just kind of looking for ways to put that action in place and to do some things that can kind of help them along the healing process? Absolutely. I always recommend the program that I went through that I'm now certified in is um, the grief recovery program. Um, And you can find a local um, counselor to work with via online or in person by just going to the griefrecoverymethod.com. So you can find someone who's localized to you. Um, And also, you know, I just always offer myself. I I try to go through and answer any questions or messages that I can and help people any way I can via my online platform, which is just my Instagram. So that's my name, Um, Brianna, or yeah, just at Brianna Fattel. (laughs) Um, And hopefully that'll be in the show notes so people can see spelling. But um, yeah, I try to just offer myself, but also that that grief recovery program and, and um, which is griefrecoverymethod.com. And even if you are someone who maybe is a bit timid, a bit skeptical, maybe you just don't know if you really need um, grief recovery with what you're going through or processing, I always recommend the book, um, The Grief Recovery Method. If you just look up that book on Amazon and, and read to that book yourself, it is incredibly helpful um, mm. in, in processing and understanding the action steps that we walk through in the program when nice. we counsel people. So I would recommend that book as a resource as well. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Any last words of encouragement as we wrap up this episode? Yeah, takeaway for everyone listening. If you're just, if there was one thing. Yeah. um, You're brave. Mm. You're brave for clicking listen on this, for recognizing your own emotional needs, for showing up for yourself to even listen to a podcast show Mm. like this. Um, Speaks volumes. So I just want to remind you that you're brave and you're loved. Amen. Beautiful. Well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Brianna, for joining us. Thank you. And, you know, have a great holiday season. Be gentle with yourself. Take care of yourself. Until next time. Hey, if you enjoyed today's episode, let's continue the conversation and stay connected on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube, all linked in the show notes below. Let us know your thoughts or leave a review on the podcast. Your feedback really does mean so much to us. Until next time.